I'm I feel one of them and I want to deliver I want to help this club deliver for those supporters and uh, all I would say is is that is that keep trusting us we, we want to deliver we'll keep working hard and uh, and that, that we are doing this for them Inter Miami both lost the Clásico and made franchise history in the U.S. Open Cup in recent days, but the spotlight remains firmly fixed on head coach Phil Neville. Hola a todos, hello everyone, welcome to Miami Total Football Radio, a bilingual Inter-Miami-focused podcast providing you, the listeners, with all the latest team news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. Here... The beautiful game meets both passion and analysis. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual co-hosts of this show, a show that has been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting, though I am not so sure we get many listens inside the Neville household these days. But joining me, of course, are both of the other co-hosts. We are all three back on the pod after alternating in recent weeks. Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanis, a.k.a. Ajisita. They're both in the building. Let's start with Jose. Jose, how are you doing today? I'm doing good and, and happy to be back. I missed uh, the last one. So um, I think there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, two games and um, some fireworks in the press conference. So, yeah, I just can't wait to get started. <laughs> there were some fireworks. We will talk about those fireworks. Uh, I don't know if in great detail... Because I already talked about it on a different show in, in good detail. So, I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, for sure. We'll talk about it. But there's a lot of Inter-Miami things to talk about. More Inter-Miami-specific things to talk about. But uh, we can we can talk about that. Andrea, how are you today on this fine Thursday morning? We're recording in the morning. And there's a reason for that. I'll explain in a moment. But how are you doing? Hi, Franco. Hi, everyone. Good to be back and we're gonna talk about it we have to talk about it you talked with other people but now you need to talk to your two favorite honduran people <laughs> about it <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, us open cup we're gonna talk about a little bit of everything and uh, we are ready because uh, i guess the, with the win yesterday because today is thursday morning with the win yesterday Phil can sleep a little bit easier and maybe for the press conference on Saturday it will be calmer and a little bit more breezy because he got some time yesterday with the win. So let's do it. Let's talk about it. The win was on Tuesday, Andrea. I know your days are all meshing together because you've got Miami oh, Heat, Miami you've got Heat. U.S. Yeah. Open Cup. You've I got... don't even know what they Exa- <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, but I don't know how you can say I am going to talk about that the press conference with my two favorite Hondurans if Roger Espinosa and Romel Quioto are not on the podcast. So I can't talk about it with my two favorite Hondurans. I can talk about oh. it with... with... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's how it is, right? That's how it is. I can talk about it with my uh, my friendly Hondurans, but my two favorites, I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, Andrea, you are right. We have a lot to talk about. And we're going to try to do it thoroughly but quickly. And there's a reason for that. Because you guys have other sports work to do later today. I am flying to Colombia in a few hours. So I'll be watching this weekend's very interesting game against CF Montreal from my computer in Colombia. So I will be, this is a warning for you guys, I will be interrupting you guys probably throughout the show just to move it along quickly. So don't get mad at me. 
No expletives, please, if I interrupt you. But anyway, we will be talking about that win against Nashville SC in the U.S. Open Cup. We will be talking about the loss to Orlando City in the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. That Phil Neville outburst in the press conference and the pressure ramping up on him, as well as a few other Inter-Miami-related items. So, Jose, Andrea, listeners, this is Miami Total Football Radio. Let's get to it. All right, Jose, Andrea, and listeners, we will start with the most recent game. Instead of working in chronological order, we'll go from most recent and work our way back. And Inter-Miami on Tuesday night welcomed Nashville SC to DraftKings Stadium in Fort Lauderdale for the round of 16 U.S. Open Cup match. Inter-Miami prevailed. They are through to the quarterfinals after picking up a 2-1 victory. Franco Negri scored in the 57th minute. That was canceled out by an Alex Mule equalizer in the 66th. But Nicolas Stefanelli came off the bench to score the winner in the 73rd minute after a lightning delay. But Inter-Miami prevails. They advanced. This is the first time in franchise history, and yes, it hasn't been that many years, but the first time in franchise history that Inter-Miami has gotten this far in the tournament. So uh, a milestone, a milestone, and a chance for them, a real chance for them to get into the semifinals of the tournament. They'll be playing the Birmingham Legion in early June after the Birmingham Legion beat Charlotte FC. Upset Charlotte FC on Wednesday night. Inter Miami came out in a 4 2 3 1 formation. This was the starting lineup Drake Callender in goal, DeAndre Yedlin, Serhi Kristoff, Kamal Miller, and Franco Negri comprised the back four. First line of the midfield was made up of Ian Frey and Dixon Arroyo. Out a little bit more wide, though not traditional wingers, but they did play a little more wide than we've seen Inter Miami with their more advanced midfielders were. Robert Taylor and Corentin John, and up top, the duo of Leonardo Campana and Joseph Martinez. Jose, it was not the prettiest game. There was a lightning delay, like I mentioned. But Inter Miami's through. Just your biggest takeaway from the victory here, that season in Miami, through to the next round. Well, I think, you know, it's it's good that the team, um, and with this, I probably mean the coaching staff they have recognized that you know the one shot that they have at a title this year or a trophy this year is is the open cup and and that's why they decided to go with almost a full squad um obviously for nashville it wasn't that big a deal you know i i honestly don't understand why mls teams don't care about about the open cup and and they care more about a game um, not even halfway through the season in, in league play. Um, I think this was a big game. I, I thought Inter-Miami had the right approach in bringing their best players in. And and they were lucky again that, you know, Nashville thought otherwise. And, and they put um, players that don't play regularly for them, or they're not start, starters, I'm sorry. So um, I, I thought the, the approach from from getting the, you know, the, the right players in, the starters, it, it it was something that caught my attention and something that I think they were they were right about that. Yeah, that's definitely a talking point, right? Like whereas Inter Miami fielded a pretty strong eleven, a pretty strong lineup. Nashville C went with a almost completely reserved filled filled starting eleven, right? Uh, there wasn't anywhere close to the team 
that we had seen the week prior when Inter Miami traveled to Nashville SC for that MLS game. It's it a very, very shuffled lineup for the visitors. But listen, Inter Miami can only play the opponent that's in front of it. And Inter Miami took care of business. Wasn't the prettiest game yet again. Uh, and I don't think it will be with this Inter Miami side the way that they're the way that they're playing and the way that they're going about things. But it was effective enough and they're through to the quarterfinals where hey listen, I think they have a real chance of making the semifinals. Like if they play a strong lineup in that game against Birmingham Legion, yes it's on the road, but Inter Miami should take care of business, right? Should. Should. But we can talk about that as that game gets a little <laughs> we can talk about that as that game gets a little closer. Andrea, your overall thoughts, your biggest takeaways from this win over Nashville SC. Well, uh, you guys talk about the, the the thing that you saw on the field. I'm going to talk about what Stefanelli said after mm. the game mm-hmm. that really caught my attention because uh, he knows what uh, this tournament means and what it would mean for Inter Miami to win it because this tournament gives you um clean slate to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. So that is their mentality. That is uh, what they want. And I was curious to hear Nicolas Stefanelli say that because as Jose was mentioning, the majority of the teams in MLS don't give this tournament that kind of thought. And I am glad to see that at least the players and Inter Miami and the coaching staff are are giving the tournament its due because they know what would it mean for the team to win it and to get to an international competition like the CONCACAF Champions League that next year is going to be a new format. So it's going to be more interesting with more teams and uh, uh, more duels and without that nonsense of uh, MLS and Mexican teams qualifying uh, to to the... um, Octavos de final uh, from the get-go. So it's going to be interesting. And Inter-Miami, if they want to be a big team, as is their wish or their expectations, they have to participate in tournaments like that. So I was really glad to hear that. And listen, they got the results with the two Argentinian guys with two nice goals. Um, And, uh, well, uh, it's one at a time. One at a time for them. It was a difficult game because, as you said, Franco, with the rain delay and all of that. And when uh, Nashville got the, their substitutions in, the game changed. They got a goal back. But even w- with all that, Inter-Miami uh, brought, thankfully, Nicolas Stefanelli as a sub and uh, got the result and, and, and got to advance. So it's going to be interesting for them. And... Um, we will talk about that game with Birmingham. It's going to be also interesting. They're going to play in Alabama with a full stadium. It's, it's going to be a nice experience for them, for the players, and, and, and for the team in general. And that game against Birmingham Legion will take place on June 6th or 7th, to be confirmed, but one of those two dates. So pretty pretty quick turnaround in terms of that next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I'll say this. Look, Inter-Miami advanced and Stefanelli, I agree, that was an interesting talking point, that after the match, he said that after the loss to Orlando City, which we'll get to here in a bit, that you know Phil Neville uh, spoke to him. Now, Stefanelli didn't reveal what was said, but he said that Phil Neville instilled him with some confidence. My interpretation reading between that is that Stefanelli was a little low on confidence because you know he hasn't been making a huge impact in the final third, He's an attacking player. He's used to either 
scoring goals or assisting on goals or being more involved in an attack. Obviously, Inter Miami's been struggling in that department. Uh, he's been one of the players that has been struggling as well. So I'm not sure what what was said exactly, but I, I, I imagine along the lines of Phil Neville just telling him, like, stick with it, you're important to us, you know, the goals are going to come, etc. Et Something along those lines. Again, Stefanelli didn't want to reveal post-game. But uh, but that's that's what my read into it is. I will say this before uh, before Jose, before you uh, chime in there, are you guys both being positive about Inter Miami in recent weeks? I don't think I've heard a positive thing from you guys, but now, now, I'm hearing some positivity there. You guys are you guys took a a nice approach to the win here against Nashville SC. Is the tide turning, Jose? Well, no, that, that game was off. No, I said. I- <laughs> <laughs> I said I said that the 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 approach was the was the right one just mm-hmm. because I think I think Nashville missed a chance there. How I mean, how I mad was, how if, mad sorry how mad don't curse at me how mad would you be if you're a Nashville SC fan right now if you were uh, a Nashville yeah. SC fan I would be fuming because they yeah. could they could have done better than that right they could have played better than that. Like, yeah, who, who they could have played, played better. Who are they playing over the weekend? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who they're playing, but let's say they're playing Colorado Rapids. Why is it so important to win against the Colorado Rapids? They're playing the Saturday? Columbus Crew. Okay, so, well, not not similar, but I mean. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, what is it? What is it about winning against Columbus on on Saturday? I mean, why is that game so important? Uh, I mean, against Inter Miami, it was an elimination game. You're out of a huge opportunity to play an international at the international level it just doesn't make sense to me so i i think inter miami took the right approach um now are things turning for this team i don't think so you know i i think we saw Mm, i was saying is the tide turning with you guys with you guys singing like some uh, more positive praises no, I mean, I mean, we'll be positive when good things happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I don't know. Us. They were winning some games against some good teams, and you guys, that, you guys, no, yeah, they but, seldomly but they said positive horrendous. things. They were lucky, they were and, and I, I think you're starting to agree with us here. I mean, they were very lucky. Now they're they're playing. Listen, they play both of these games. They play basically, you know, at the same level. I think Orlando at times even worse, but they play at the same level, and they happen to win the second one just because of. How lucky they were that Nashville decided not to play the game. So, Listen, Nashville didn't bring Aníbal Godoy. They didn't bring. Mac- they didn't even bring them. They gave them a free day. Two of their most important midfielders, and the reason why uh, they are having a good season, and also Hani Mukhtar was on the bench. So, with that, it it tells you how Nashville looked at this game. For me, the positive, as we have said, is that Phil and Inter Miami took it the right way with the right mentality. And that mentality is, okay, maybe we don't go to the playoffs or we don't have a a good season in MLS. But if we win this, we're going to have something to play for the next season. And we're going to take the team into places that it has not been and where it needs to be. Because Inter Miami wants to be an international team. They need to be playing in, in, in the Champions League. I think for the brand, for the brand, it's at this point, it, it's even better to win Open Cup than to win an MLS Cup, to be honest. Because, you know, Inter Miami wants to be a global brand. How many times have we heard that? Plenty of times. They want to be a global brand. If you want to be a global brand, you have to compete internationally. So I think, you know, that would be Phil finding a way to, to, 
to extend his stay here in South Florida. We yeah. know Cup having Champions League next year. That might be the way, and he's not far away from that. You know, it's just three more games. So um, I think, you know, that's part of it, of making that decision to go with a full team uh, into this tournament. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, it's it's going to be tough for them as they as they move forward. And Birmingham is no, no easy. No easy. It's not going to be an easy game for them. So there's, a, there's some things to talk about there because, I mean, yeah, Nashville, I see... Like I don't know if they, if they took Inter Miami for granted. I don't know if they just like it's really mind-boggling with the lineup that they went with. And yes, it's a busy stretch for all teams. But I don't know if soberbio is the right word in Spanish. Like if they were just arrogant and thinking they could field a backup team and and, and find a way to win, uh, or if or if they just didn't care, or if they just didn't care about it. But. It's 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 very mind boggling from a Nashville SC standpoint. Like what, why, you know yeah. why why they went with such a depleted team? I mean, you can rotate players, you can rotate half a team, but to make that many changes where you're almost playing a complete backup team, I mean, I think yeah. I think to an extent, there's definitely some element of like overlooking Inter Miami. I think that yeah, definitely plays a I part. Agree. I mean, you're, Jose, if you're playing your backup goalkeeper, like. As part of this this wholesale change in the lineup, then I think that, you know, you you think you're going to get by. Like, otherwise, why why even go out there and compete if you're if you're planning to lose? I don't think they were planning to lose. I think they they thought they could get by with their backups. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and listen, they and they almost. Hey, listen, to be fair, they almost they did. They almost did it. They yeah. almost did that first half. There's a chance, and it's still scoreless. There's a there's a chance. Leal uh, mm-hmm. that Randall Leal has on a one on one look. Uh, as as they break in behind Inter Miami's defense, and he shoots the ball towards the bottom right corner. Drake Callender makes a magnificent save, gets his left paw, gets down and gets his left paw onto the ball, and he gets just enough of it to push it off the post, and that kept the game scoreless at halftime. It was a magnificent save. Yet the latest Drake one Callender for Drake Callender. Oh, I mean, the best player of this team. Well, and, and I tweeted something about that during the game. I was like, "Listen, when your goalkeeper is the best player, you know, in a season, it's one because that goalkeeper's playing at a very high level, and two because players in all other parts of the field are not performing to where they need to be. Because it's rare for a goalkeeper to be an MVP, right? Like the goalkeeper, right? The, like the goalkeeper." has to be called upon to make saves, and he has to make those saves. And Drake Callender has, by and large, done that this year. But if there was a, a forward scoring goals at the other end, that forward would probably be looked at as the MVP. So uh, it's it's both of those elements, but you're right. Listen, Nashville almost almost took the lead in this one. Inter-Miami came out of the halftime uh, interval, and they score through Franco Negri. Some good combination play down the left side with Robert Taylor. The first time in that game that I think we had seen some decent combination. It unlocks Nashville SC's defense and Franco Negri with a very quality uh, clipped effort into the back of the net. Gave and remind me the lead. Now, as Andrea mentioned, Nashville SC makes some substitutions. And immediately after, Alex Mule scores the equalizer, a header at the back post. 1-1. And remind me, head started to sink. They did. From what I could see on the on the broadcast in the press box, the head started to sink. You know, like questions were being asked of one another. 
But then maybe Mother Nature shone yes. brightly on Inter Miami. Maybe she smiled at Phil Neville and, and did him a solid because <laughs> came the lightning delay. Funny enough, my brother, who is uh, a, a big Inter Miami fan, he texted me. He's like, Thor saved us because the light, <laughs> the lightning delay zapped away some of Nashville's momentum. Yeah, I, I, I think so. That. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And. You know, they went into the locker room for 30, 30 or 40 minutes. I think it was a 40-minute delay, actually. And when Inter-Miami came back out onto the field, Nicolas Stefanelli was brought in, and he scores a minute later off of a, off of a pass that, you know, Corentin John just kicks up the field. Stefanelli races onto it, and then he, he finishes well with authority at the near post on a one-on-one look. So, uh, you know, I think that, that that break really benefited Inter-Miami. And Phil Noble talked about a post-game. Because he was even saying how they were about to make uh, two substitutions or different substitutions before the weather delay. But when they had the weather delay, they had a second to to take a step back. Campana was able to get more massages to, to continue playing after the weather delay. So it allowed them to rethink things and, and replantear las ideas, right? So it benefited Inter Miami and, and that was a big part in them being able to, to pull out the victory against this weekend Nashville side. Now, has to be said, Inter Miami did suffer in the final minutes. They had to, tenían que sufrir para sacar la victoria because they were <laughs> up against it. Nashville, see through numbers forward. Hani Mukhtar was trying to make things happen the way he was dribbling by defenders and, and trying to find the pass or the shot. But Inter Miami did a good job of, of staying organized and compact and they held on for the win. Anything you guys want to add with regards to this game? I mean, you could talk about the attendance. The attendance was was pretty poor. Uh, there weren't many fans. I, I don't know if that's just a byproduct. I mean, I'm, I know it's a byproduct of being a Tuesday game. It's an Open Cup game against uh, a Nashville SC team that doesn't have a lot of flashy names. Neither does Inter Miami. Inter Miami had just lost a Clásico, but it wasn't the it wasn't pretty it wasn't pretty and it's the second open cup game in a row where where attendance has been sparse anything you guys want to add regarding well, that or regarding the game yeah that's 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 not new i mean there are several teams that struggle with attendance when it comes to open cup now remember the mls they the league doesn't want to promote these games they you know there's 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 no no big benefit for the league um from coming coming from the from the open cup and so you know the teams that have good attendance is because they have a solid 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 foundation when it comes to their fan base and it doesn't depend on um, promotions or it doesn't depend on on season tickets some of these games are not even in the season ticket package i don't know if that's the case for inter miami this um, was so- part of the season package well, can you imagine that's even worse? It's even worse because people already had tickets and they just they just the don't, Miami don't want Heat, to go. Let's, so. let, let, let's, I mean, you guys were not there present on Tuesday, and there's a reason for that because you guys had work duties elsewhere. And let's let's that's got to be mentioned as well. The Miami Heat were playing a very important game here in the NBA playoffs, not too far away. Yes, about 30, 40 minute drive, but not too far away, relatively speaking. They were looking to sweep the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, getting to to try to get to the NBA final. So, I mean, I'm sure there were people that yeah. either went to uh, what was formerly known as the AAA. I still call it that. Still um, a triple. <laughs> still a triple A, yeah. Uh, so, 
You know, there was people that were going to that to that arena to watch the game, or there was people that were going to the bar or the restaurant or wherever sports bar to go watch the game. So I'm, I'm sure that also played a part. I mean, I just want to say to Inter Miami fans, this is the tournament that could make you win something this year. So people need to avivarse, as we say in Spanish, need to get up going and realize what this tournament could mean for Inter Miami. Even La Familia, even La Familia was sparse, right? Like even La Familia, there weren't many, many fans in there. Usually, even if a game is not well attended, there's at least a healthy core of La Familia members. And in this one, there wasn't. Now, I don't know if that... We're going to talk about that also. Could that be a result of the loss from the weekend? Possibly. Yeah, yes. possibly. For them, they are frustrated. I think people are frustrated, and I, I think, you know, especially in a midweek game, and I think we know that because we go through that every time we have to go to Fort Lauderdale a midweek. I mean, it's it's a drive, man. I mean, it's it takes some time to get there. And um, if you live in Miami, you're probably going to be home by 11.30 or midnight. And... You know, not a lot of people want to do that, and especially with the team struggling, people are frustrated with the head coach. Um, and you know, if they knew they were going to win, they'd probably make the effort. But you know, it was it was hard to predict that before the game. So, but then again, a lot of teams struggle with attendance in the tournament. And I think it comes down to, you know, the league, the commissioner being negative about open. I mean, yeah, cup. He, he was openly negative about the open cup, like not yeah. too long ago. So. Uh, saying he doesn't want these games, he doesn't think these games are the ones that should be like. Uh, I want to paraphrase this correctly, but that shouldn't highlight what American soccer is, or something along those lines. Something along those lines, which was interesting. Because, well, because it's the most inclusive tournament in the country, you know, and anybody can compete, and that's that's a problem for MLS, as we all know. Right, MLS, which is a closed system, so. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think I agree with you guys. I think that the weekend loss played a big part in it, in addition to all the other factors that we've talked about, including the Miami Heat game. Uh, so, And by the way, now that we're talking about attendance, a few weeks ago, Phil mentioned that, you know, um, when when I questioned him about the product that he had on the field, he said um, that, you know, the, the game, the next game, I think it was against Columbus, probably. I'm not, not 100% sure, but he said, like, that game is almost sold out. Um just to be clear, like it doesn't really mean if the stadium is full that you know it's because the team is performing. That's probably what he was used to in his playing career in England, but not in MLS. Not in MLS. I, I think we have to give a lot of credit to the marketing department and Inter Miami. They're doing a solid job. Attendance is up, but not because of the product on the field. Just to be clear about that, because you know you hate to listen to things like that in press conference and trying to lead people the wrong way. <laughs> Jose laying down his truth there. All right, so it's true. It's true. I mean, come on. But all right, That's so tough. I mean, I agree that I don't think that that game was close to a sellout. The game that Phil Noble was referring to, which I think was the game against the New England Revolution, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, that he was referencing. But I don't think it's because Inter Miami's you know playing this this great brand or because they're winning because. Clearly, they're not winning consistently. You know, they've they've been up and down uh, for much of the year. So I think I don't know what led to that game being the game that most people went to. I don't know if there were like you know, I know I think there were tickets on Groupon maybe that were. Uh, I think uh, I think if I'm not if go. I'm not mistaken, 
it could it could have been that because there was definitely some sales going on there to to make it very affordable to go. Um, but I'm sure there was a whole bunch of things that that played into into that game. Um, I'm sending love to the marketing department. Sending lots of love. It's on you guys. You're doing People a wonderful job. People wanted to see Bobby Thank Wood, you. guys. Please. I, I think, Thank yeah, you. and I'm pretty sure it was that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, now, now that I'm looking at the schedule. Yeah, I'm, it was my birthday, actually. It was that New England Revolution game. Yes, it was. Oh, very. Yeah. And there were Could definitely have... Groupons there. There was definitely Groupons. For sure, 100% there were Groupons um, for tickets for that game. Now that I recall. Folks, family in South Florida are thanking you, marketing department. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, before we turn the page to the game that happened over this past weekend, Birmingham Legion, again, we'll talk about it more as that game approaches, but, Jose, you said you don't know, and you've talked about it a little bit. Why would a full-strength Inter-Miami team, because I imagine they will go as full-strength as possible if they're that close to the cup final. They're three wins away from, from winning it, this whole tournament. Why would Inter Miami have a tough time? Give us a little, little quick preview, a quick tease as to why that would be. Uh, because you know Birmingham, they do two things well that work out your way when it comes to Open Cup, and um, they are very good at the counterattack game. They have uh, plenty of of speed through the wings. They play they play solid defense, and they have two very important players in their system, Enzo Martinez in the middle. Um, he's, you know, that box-to-box midfielder that it's pretty hard to stop because he moves all over the place. And then they have Juan Agudelo, who's not afraid. He's not a goal scorer anymore like he used to be with the New England Revolution, but he's not going to be afraid to play against um, MLS competition. So he'll grab the attention, and then Kisido and some of the other players that you guys don't know right now, but I, I do. Um, they, they will have a- <laughs> You guys don't know these players, but I do. Yeah, well, I call some of their games, so <laughs> I, I know you guys are watching MLS while I'm watching so, Birmingham. So Agudelo is going to score because we the have the Lady That would be an amazing story. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an interesting story that former Inter-Miami player Juan Agudelo, now plays for Birmingham Legion, uh, will, will go up against the South Florida side. Uh, but this that team, that Birmingham Legion team, does have some MLS experience. they got Mikey Lopez yeah. in the midfield. He played in MLS for, for a few seasons, so... Um, it's it's maybe not your standard USL side. No. So I mean, one- it'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge, but a full strength Inter Miami team should be able to take care of business. And, th- and there's one more thing that it's, it's something that happened last night with with Charlotte, and it did happen as well as well in the Pittsburgh game. And it's the turf. The turf was a problem for Inter Miami when they played Miami FC, and I haven't been the, I haven't been to the Alabama Stadium, but um, it, it it looks it looks it looks like an old old turf. So you know that's something that when you train and play your home games in in natural grass and you have to adjust the turf. And Birmingham, they have been playing there for a while and they feel really really comfortable. I think uh, I think that's going to be a problem as well for Inter Miami. But it should be close. Uh, I think it should be close. Well, that stadium is called Protective Stadium, and listen well, for. For for Birmingham, it'll be their, you know, their cup final. Because they're in the quarterfinals, yes, but they're playing, a, you know, a brand, an Inter-Miami team that has a brand with David Beckham's 
name attached to it, you know, so it, it will be a cup final for them. They do have a head coach in Tom Sohn, who's also MLS experienced. So I, I think they'll be well prepared for the game. I think that they'll, you know, they'll be really up for the game. I think the the city or the area and the fans, they'll be up for the game. So, you know, if Inter Miami goes into it thinking it's going to be a, a walk in the park, then I think there could be trouble. But if they take it as seriously as they took this past weekend's game, or sorry, this midweek game, then I think Inter Miami will advance just based off of talent alone. But that's just my I, opinion. And I think, I think you know, uh, Birmingham, they, since they're doing well in the league, they will not have a problem resting their starters, you know, prior to that game. So usually the problem with USL championship teams is that, you know, they, they are not deep enough in, right. in the sense that they have to play starters week in and week out. But since they're doing well in the league and, and it's such a big game for them, I think, you know, they they will most likely rest their starters over the weekend so that they're ready for Inter-Miami. So, you know, little things. The Cup is amazing, man. It's amazing. It's awesome. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched Pittsburgh last night, but... You know, it's and Highmark was 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 just awesome to watch. You know, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, I, I want to ask you one last thing before we turn the page here, because you guys you guys both gave props to Inter Miami for fielding a strong lineup and taking the game seriously, despite having an MLS match this weekend. But do you think Inter Miami fielded a strong lineup because? They were just just because they were taking this tournament seriously because they think it's their best chance to win something, or do you think the pressure from losing the Clásico over the weekend played a part in them being like, "All right, we need to win. We need to win." After the reaction, after everything that that took place uh, in the days leading up, do you think that had any impact at all in the decision making, Andrea? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Mm. I think they they know this is a tournament as we we have spoken all this time that can can they can win and they can uh, can take him to to play internationally and also uh, feel new that after what happened against Orlando and the way that Orlando won and the way that he reacted in the press conference and the way that fans were were reacting that he needed to win. Um, so I, I I definitely think that that may have not been the principal mm-hmm. manner because I think that uh, he has shown in 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 this cup in this cup run that it's a tournament that he's interesting in winning. But I think it it definitely played a, like a percentage of him um, bringing Sergey back, bringing yeah, playing his starting back four, especially in, in Sergey, Kamal, Yedlin, and, and Negri. So, uh, yeah, it played a part for me also. Okay. So then we will turn the page to this past weekend's game. Inter-Miami hosted Orlando City, the rivals, at Drive-Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday night in the latest edition of the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. And Inter Miami lost three to one, a very frustrating and disappointing loss for the South Florida side and its supporters. Edison Cara scored in the 19th minute. That was the opener. Inter Miami got an equalizer from Leonardo Campana in the 57th minute. A heck of a goal, a missile, un missile. But 
that joy that came from that was short-lived because Martin Ojea scores in the 68th minute and then Rafael Santos puts the game away in the 86th. This was Inter-Miami's starting lineup in the Sunshine Clasico. It was a 5-3-2. So on Tuesday, they played a 4-2-2-2. Here they played a 5-3-2. And Drake Callender was in goal yet again. DeAndre Yedlin, Christopher McVeigh, Sergi Kristoff, Kamal Miller, and Franco Negri made up the back five. The midfield, you had Dixon Arroyo as the six, as El Cinco, as the defensive midfielder. Just ahead of him were Corentin Jean and Benjamin Kremaski, or Benjamin Kremaski. Up top, Leonardo Campana and Joseph Martinez once again. So in this game, Inter Miami initially wanted to have the width come through the wingbacks. Whereas in the Tuesday game, they had the width come from Robert Taylor and Cornethan John, who I don't think they're out-and-out out like traditional wingers, but their profiles fit playing out wide a little more, right? Because in other games in, in recent weeks, we've seen uh, like a four-man midfield, but two holding midfielders and then two pseudo eight slash tens, right? Like whether it's Stefanelli and Kremaski or... Kremaski and Taylor, you know, they've had them play more centrally, but on Tuesday they had players a little bit wider. Here they went back to a narrow midfield with the width coming from the wing backs. But Inter Miami loses. That's the biggest talking point. What did you guys think of this match, this defeat in the latest edition of the rivalry? Jose. Well, I, I again, I, 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 I thought I said it just a few minutes ago. You know, I thought there were similar performances. You know, at times against Orlando, I think they were even worse. But you know, I think that's that's you know that's that's it. I think that's that's the Inter Miami. I don't think they can go any further than that at this point. You know, it's it's a team that I think, especially over the weekend, I saw them without that energy that. That we have seen from from Inter Miami, even when they struggle, they always fight. But you know, I think there was a mistake as well in playing Christoph. It, it was, you know, he had a, 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 a he had mistakes defensively that you know we don't see from him very often. And you know, the goal out of a um, throw in, it was just so disappointing. Um, but I think it's 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 part of the team not having any momentum, not a lot of confidence as well. Um, and I think that that game showed me that. And um, it, it was concerning at times. But then you realize, well, this is Inter Miami. This is Inter Miami. If you're if you're trying to find a definition of Inter Miami, Inter Miami is a team that struggles. It's a team that you know can can go in a run of. Uh, uh, of of three games, winning three games in a row, but then going to go back and they struggle. For most of the time, they struggle, and that's what they did against 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 Orlando City. I think they play against a similar level of play in both matches. They just happened to win the second game um, against the Nashville team that play um, that didn't play their starters. I think it, they were very similar to me. So I I think this is the perfect game to explain that you know Inter Miami plays at a certain level. And you should judge Inter Miami by the way they play, the style, um, the the quality that they put on the field, and not by the results because the results can be misleading. Andrea, 
your, I think your it, thoughts on this game. But noting noting the fact that I think it's a, it's a very important talking point, and it's it's going to lead into the post game press conference moment that went viral, um, yes. which we will talk about here. But it's the formation and Phil Neville's change in formation midway through the first half when Sergei Kristoff felt like he needed to come off, according to Phil Neville, because Sergei Kristoff wasn't 100%. Then they went from the back five to a back four. They changed systems. To me, to me, and I, I, I would love to hear both of your thoughts on this, but we'll start with Andrea. To me, changing the formation midway through the first half when you're playing poorly and you're down uh, 1-0 is an admission that you got the lineup wrong. Or the formation wrong and the game plan wrong. Because they could have, right? They could have taken Kristoff off and put in Ryan Saylor, right? They could have gone like for like switch. Why did they go to a back four? Why? Yeah, I I think I remember in last week's podcast in the preview of this game, I told you. It's going to be interesting because I think uh, Oscar Pareja is a better coach than Phil Neville. And definitely this game showed it because Oscar Pareja won the, the game tactically uh, for uh, against Phil Neville because Oscar Pareja did what was um, the best tactic that his team, who is also struggling, needed to do against a team like Inter Miami. And he knew that Phil Neville will be will be presenting a, def, a defensive-minded team. So he knew he just had to wait for his team to get to get it done. And he did. And listen, Phil realized, I don't doubt that Sailor, uh, that Kristoff uh, uh, was not 100%, but I think he realized in that moment that he needed to change the formation because he made a mistake. And that is uh, maybe uh, like a, a salvedad because he, he like a, a turning point for him because he admitted it. And many coaches don't like to do a change in the first half. And yes, he could mask it in Sergei's injury, in Sergei's uh, injury bothers, but most coaches wait, wait until until the end of the 45th minute and but he knew he knew in that moment that if he didn't change Orlando would have scored even more goals because... right because the substitution comes in the 33rd minute right Orlando City right. scored in the 19th exactly Inter yeah. Miami makes a change in the 33rd and it's exactly. Nicola Stefanelli that comes off for Sergio Kostov so not even close to the same profile it's a completely different system and again we'll talk about and Phil, detail, then, yeah. then when he talked in the press conference, he was mad because he said that Orlando just came to to defend and wait. That which is it's nonsense. Like, what? It's nonsense it's because no Inter Miami, like, because like, they do that every time. It's, like, there's some games where Phil Neville, when they like at home, when they have to have the ball, and you know the onus is on them, and and they are able to have the ball, where Phil's like, there was only one team trying to look to win that game. Like he did the same thing against Miami FC. Right, exactly, but yeah, yeah, when Inter Miami plays super defensive minded like they have against Columbus, he didn't talk about oh there was only one team trying to win the game, which was the other team, but we just happened to win, right? Like they, that that talking point only comes about when Inter Miami has the onus to keep the ball and look to be the protagonist. So like I, I agree with you, Andrea. That I think that that that's from Phil Neville is poquito de humo, quiere vender humo. You know, he wants to sell smoke and 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 
kind of lie to the public there in terms of like, oh well, you know, we played so well. But yet in other games, when they when they do complete the complete thing that he's criticizing, then he's you know he doesn't mention that at all, right? So, and I agree with Jose also that it, it must have been eye opening for him that he had five defenders and they scored from a throwing, a throwing, yeah, a sack of banda. That is unacceptable. Like I told you in the press box, if this happened in Honduras, it would be a mess because that goal was unacceptable. You almost in in football, you don't see the, those type of goals, especially when you have five cent, uh, five defensive players in your back line. That is truly unacceptable. And it, it was a, a great goal by Orlando. They took advantage. I guess they, they practiced this set piece. So, <laughs> is that a set piece? Does that count as a set piece? That doesn't count as a set piece. I mean, it's a dead ball situation, but that doesn't count as a set piece. I don't get that as a set piece. But look, look, Serhi Kristoff doesn't do a whole lot uh, to cover himself in glory there on the goal and on that opener, on the throw. They shouldn't have played him. They should so, have not played. So, that, so that's that's where I was going with that, Jose, because yeah. Sergei Kristoff was coming off of an injury, right? He had missed a few games, a couple games. He starts in this one. He gets subbed off because he wasn't feeling 100%, Phil Neville's words. So that to me is, if you didn't get the formation wrong, right? If you if you want to be Phil Neville and say you didn't get the, the tactics wrong, then you got the personnel wrong because why did you play a player that was not 100%? You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You banked on a player that's not 100% to to come good and to perform and deliver, and he couldn't, and he couldn't. But again, we'll, we'll dive into what Phil Neville said post-game here in just a little bit. We're almost there. We're almost there. I know people probably want to hear a good bit about that. But, Jose, do you think that the game plan was wrong? Do you think, you know, I, to me, I get, and this is a game where it's clear to me that Phil Neville didn't get it right from the start. Whether you want to say personnel, whether you want to say tactics, whether you want to say formation, whatever you think, I think that you can pinpoint, I think like it goes back to Phil Neville. He did not get the start of this game correct, which I think, again, that 30-30 minute substitution exemplifies that perfectly. What are your thoughts, Jose? Well, I'll, I'll say this. You know, First off, I, I think you know um, he... He's thinking when it comes to that five-three-two formation. He's thinking from from a standpoint of okay, I'm gonna take the lead and then you know I'm gonna buckle up and I'm gonna hold the lead until I'm gonna suffer, but I'll but I'll hold on to the lead. Now, that strategy obviously doesn't work when you have to come back when you're down <laughs> exactly. in the and you know and that's a problem. That that's the problem. So I think there's a combination of that and also. Um, he probably recognized that Orlando City was trying to just give them the ball, which is something that Inter Miami doesn't want anymore. They don't want possession. So if you're playing the five-three-two, if you give them the ball, then you know mistakes will come through the middle because Benja is good, but he's going to make mistakes. Dixon is the defensive-minded player, not very good with the ball, and so you have two out of your three midfielders that are prone to making mistakes with the ball. So if you give them the ball, if you give them more possession, then you'll have opportunities for a quick counterattack. You'll have those opportunities. So I think that was part of the adjustment as well. He did recognize that, and you know, even with him doing that, it didn't work in the end. Because if you look at the goals for for Orlando City. You know, those are goals that, you know, 
they, they walked right into the plan of Oscar Pareja. So I would agree with Andrea that Pareja really dominated the game tactically, and that's why they were able to get the three points. Obviously, they took advantage of the chances. But, you know, I think that moment in the game, it's very telling about what is what the approach for Inter Miami is when they play 5-3-2. It's about if we have the lead, we have a chance. If they score on us, we're in big trouble. So I agree with you to an extent that I think that the game plan was to, you know, be solid at the back, you know, to, to keep the spaces limited back there and to make things very difficult for Orlando City to to score, right? The onus is on the defensive side, not the attacking side, and to try to keep the game 0-0 and then try to pluck one at the other end, whether it's on, you know, one of your few attacking chances, whether it's a set piece, a fortunate bounce, a penalty kick. You know, I, I think that was the game plan which maybe can make sense. But if you're playing a center back, it's not 100%. Then, I mean, you took a gamble there that didn't pay off. And and that falls on Phil Neville. It's not Sergei Kristoff's fault that he's not 100% and that he's he's starting, right? That's that's a decision made by Phil Neville and his staff. So, listen, Inter Miami didn't get a single shot on target in that first half. I don't Actually, they didn't take a single shot at all. Again, for the second straight game, second straight MLS game. So, I think that falls on film level. Yes, the players as well, they shoulder some responsibility. Like, I don't think Campana's having uh, a good stretch here. And Phil Neville the other day said he thinks Campana's been playing well. I completely disagree. I think Campana's playing uh, poorly. He did score un golazo. Nothing to take that away from him. He scored un golazo uh, to the top right corner there to equalize in this game. It was a heck of a strike. It will make many a highlight reel. But I don't think Ampana's playing well. He's getting beat to the ball. Center backs are, are anticipating passes to him, well, and he's not he's not shielding them off, and he's losing he's balls. He's being the effort guy, Franco. That's why. He's being the effort guy. I mean, he's playing two positions. He is being like, the effort guy. Really, I agree with you. But I don't think yeah. it's I don't think it's I don't think it's working for him. I don't think it suits what he, no, what he needs to do. Yeah. He should be he should be the goal scorer. But, you know, since they have to play Joseph, and Joseph He's not gonna do Campana's work, you know. It's just, it's just not gonna happen. It's and just not gonna goal, happen. That goal just shows you uh, what Campana is and and what Campana can do for this team. And, and for me, it's unfortunate that they are not playing to to but their best play. Whose fault is this? Phil's I mean, fault. It's Phil's it, fault. Is it Campana? It's it's not a no, Campana. You know, no. Campana is making the effort and and exactly. I think we can we can say once again that at times, even though Campana is listed as a striker in the formation and he plays as a striker for a certain part of the game, then okay. he's another player that Phil is taking out of his position, you know, yes. just to fit him in a system that he thinks is good. Exactly. Because there's no way this system works if both Joseph and Campana or static Stay in at the, the air. top. Exactly. And, There's and, no way this works. So, so, exactly. So, and that, that is service for Campana, and that brings us to Campana's uh, uh, word words allows uh, <laughs> media availability because Campana said it. The tactics, listen, especially against Nashville, were not working. It was not the best. We talked about so Andrea, it. Sorry, I will interrupt you there just to say that let's try to make it clear here for the listeners because with the Open Cup Nashville game, and the previous week's Nashville game, it could get a little confusing there. So, Inter Miami played Nashville SC in an MLS regular season game 
a few days before they faced off against Orlando City, right? And then they played Nashville again in the Open Cup. But after that initial game against Nashville, which Inter Miami lost 2-1 to one on the road in MLS play, Campana did media availability. And I thought his quote was pretty eyebrow-raising and interesting. It's what led the show last week, right? When the show starts and you hear a quote from an Inter Miami protagonist, we started with that quote, where he says in English that they got the formations and tactics wrong. He doesn't point the finger at Phil Neville directly. He doesn't say Phil Neville. He says, that's on us. And when he says us, he said, you know, that meant the players. He said, that's on the staff. It's something we talked about. Should we play it again here? Let's yeah. play it again here. All Let's right, play Let's it. play it here. Let's play it here. The formation that and the tactics that we do in the first half wasn't the the correct one for for the game. I think I think that's from us, also from uh, from the staff. We we, we have spoken uh, about that. Okay, so you guys have now heard what Campana said, right? Interpret it how you will, listeners. It's pretty clear. But Jose and Andrea, Jose and Andrea, yeah. Jose and Andrea, I want your thoughts because I've been told, right, in conversations that have happened after the outburst from Phil Neville. And again, we're, we'll get to that in a few minutes here. A couple minutes. Not, not much longer for the wait. But I've been told that it's not what Campana meant, the way you interpreted it. Like, it's not... He wasn't saying... Like, and I, I, my, my conversation back to the, to the people who I've spoken to was like... It's pretty clear what, what Leo Campana is saying. To me, it's crystal clear. It's not about it's me twisting clear. anything. It's not about me looking for something negative. It's pretty clear what he said. Listen, English is not Campana's first language, 100%, but Campana speaks good enough English exactly. to know what yeah. formation and tactics mean yeah. as opposed to mentality, which is a word that I'm I'm almost 100% sure he's used before to describe other games when he's had to speak about football in English, right? He says formation yeah. and tactics. That That's, is clear yes. to me because who picks the formation and who picks the tactics? And he clearly says staff also. We know, listen, as people, for, for example, me, I'm a person that speaks English as my second language. So it, I know what Campana was trying to say, the idea that Campana was trying to say. People are trying to say that because that was Campana's second language, that he didn't know and that he didn't mean it that way. No, that's a lie. It's obvious. It's clear. When a player talks to you in that manner without, without anything, without no one saying anything, because the question was not even that, he said it from his mouth. You have to believe him. And it's clear. Listen, it doesn't take uh, cuatro dedos de frente, as we say in Spanish, to 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 see that Campana is not comfortable with the responsibilities that he's having in this team. And we talked about it. Jose said it. You said it. I said it before we started talking about this. That he is sacrificing too much, and the team is not getting his potential as they should as a striker, as a striker in the area. So he is clearly. Clearly, Hold on, clearly. Uh, Andrea, Andrea, round out the thought. Go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, yeah. So he is clearly thinking in the same, uh, in, in the, maybe not exactly that, but in the same line that the tactics are not working, not only just for him, but for the whole team. And he was talking about uh, uh, them not having not one shot against Nashville in that 
embarrassing game. First half. It was that first half. They didn't get a shot in the first half. And I have to correct myself because I said against Orlando City that they didn't have a shot in the first half, but that wasn't true. They didn't have a shot on target in the first half. Campana's goal against Orlando City was the first shot on target. And it was a missile from distance, right? So it wasn't even from the run of play, the combination. So it was like an un individualismo, like just an individual effort. That he got into Miami type. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It wasn't like through combination and through good team play and, and passing that they unlocked Orlando City's defense. It was just a heck of a finish and a, a great individual effort from Campana. I agree with you, Andrea, and then Jose, you're up, that the comments are from someone who's probably frustrated. And he's not going to come out and say it in a malicious way or an angry way. But it's a, it's like a like small insight into how he feels. That's how I interpret it, right? Because like you guys said, he's being asked to do two roles, to both help score and to help facilitate. He's he's become el creativo in this team. Like the if there is a playmaker on this team in the attack, it's Campana now because he's dropping deep to, to combine. He's dropping deep to connect. He's not staying high to uh, on a consistent basis to try to finish plays off. He's trying to help drop to link play and help move the attack and progress it forward. And I don't think he's doing a great job of that. I think, you know, it, one, that falls on him a little bit. Yes, also you can point the finger at Phil Neville for not using him uh, to his best strengths. But I think some of the passes he's made and some of it has just been has been on him. Like, he, there's plays that he should be making and he's not making. Nonetheless, nonetheless, Campana's a smart dude. Campana's a smart guy. It's not like he doesn't know what he's saying. So for, you know, people to say... Like, oh, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean it in that way. Like, that to me is just PR talk. That's just PR yeah, that's trying to PR. trying to, trying to to twist it around to make it like, oh, well, it wasn't this, it's that. And, exactly. and and listen, when you hear it, that's why I played it here for the listeners, you sacas tu, sacas tu conclusiones propios. You know, like, take, take your own conclusions from it, whether you agree with us or not. Andrea and I, we agree. Jose, I think you agree because I think you mentioned, you said a, a phrase earlier that, that made me believe that you agree. What are your thoughts on what Campana said a week ago? Well, first off, I like to say that it's absolutely nothing wrong with what Campana said. It is great that you know players and staff have those type of conversations, and just be, because Phil doesn't agree with Campana saying it publicly or talking about it publicly, it doesn't mean that's wrong. I mean, it should be a positive. People should be encouraged that players are having the opportunity to go and talk tactics uh, on how they how comfortable how they can feel comfortable on the field with their coaching staff. I mean that's a good sign, but it feels like just because Phil didn't agree with that, didn't agree with the idea of uh, Campana going out there and um, you know talking about it publicly, that doesn't mean that it, it's it's wrong. I mean it, it's I, I think he was referring to that Nashville game, which it was pretty obvious right. to everybody watching the game that you know the tactics were wrong for that game. So, you know, if we saw it, don't you think the players understand what went on on the field and how frustrated they were that the possibilities of their of them winning that game went down because of their own coaching staff, because of their own decisions. So that has to be frustrating for them. I think Joseph talked about it as well previously you know they knew the possibilities uh, the opportunities for them inside the box were going to be limited and you know as a striker they don't want that they want to they, they know they have the talent and that's the other thing you know everybody knows this team they can produce a lot more offensively and yet you know the coaching staff is holding them down so first off 
I want to make this clear. Well, so really quickly, Jose, I'm going to interject it really quickly. Because Phil Neville in the post-game press conference, right, and we're going to start diving into it a little bit here. He says, when I ask him the question, because I was trying, that's where I came from with the question, right? I'm trying to tie in what Campana said on Thursday to the first half against Orlando City, where, again, it seemed like they got the game plan wrong to start, which is what led to that substitution that we just talked about of Stefanelli for for Christoph, who's not 100%. So that's how I try to tie it in. And Phil Neville says, you're always looking for something negative, right? But it's there at face value. I think it's crystal clear what he's saying. I I mean, I don't necessarily think Phil Neville likes it. And Phil Neville tried to say that, oh, what Campana was attempting to say was that they take accountability as a group, which, sure, that's why he said, yeah, it's on us and it's on the staff. But what preceded him saying it's on us and it's on the staff is him saying the tactics and the formation were not the correct ones for that game. And who is in charge of the formations and the tactics? Is it the players? Absolutely not. Jose, who's in charge of the formations and the tactics? Coaching staff. So so it's clear. It's clear to me what he's saying. Maybe he didn't mean it in a malicious way. Maybe he wasn't trying to be like, no. oh, well, Phil, no. No, he didn't mean it in a malicious way. It's normal. The, people need to understand these things happen with football all over the world. Just because MLS is a different animal and no one and everything they do is just PR. When someone is honest, like Campana was on that day, it doesn't mean that it's something bad or that he hates his coach, that he is attacking him. P- players complain every day about how much a coach play them, the positions and everything. It's no different than a coach saying the player got it wrong this weekend. And right? he has done it a lot of times, this, even this season. He even said Bryce Duke didn't have the talent to play as a 10 in MLS. Joseph Martinez needs to deliver more, etc., etc. Exactly. So, so, so but... it's being a little bit hypocritical when we take what Campana says as face value for him and other members of the media to call us negative and to call us that we are misinterpreting things is for me a little bit unfair because well, and... we have ears. We have ears. And, and that's, and and that's where... And that's where, sorry, Jose, did you want to round out your thoughts? Sorry, I interrupted you there, and then we just got off on a tangent. Did you want to finish your thought there? So that's where, and now it becomes a talking point of Phil Neville's post-game outburst, at last. (laughs) That's where I felt the need to respond. And I waited till Phil stopped talking for a moment. Like, you know, while he was trying to, figure out his thoughts and what he was trying to say after he said that to me about like, oh, you're always looking for something negative, Franco. Actually, before we get into it, let's just play it. From start to finish, the exchange. We won't go with the with the, with the follow-up answer from Phil Neville, but we'll go from the exchange, right? The interaction there in the press conference between me and Phil Neville that went viral. Franco, then Andrea. Did he actually say that? He said that, did he? Did we? Okay. Do you know why we made the change? Yeah, well, we made the change because Sergi just didn't feel 100%. So, uh, so no, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think what Leo said on, on Thursday was we take, we, we take accountability for the defeat. I, don't, I think, I think you're, you're, well, you always look for things to, to be negative about Franco. So, uh, 
we 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 won fight. We can I finish speaking? Or are you gonna interrupt? Can I finish speaking? Okay, because I don't interrupt your question. Okay, so don't interrupt mine. Show some fucking respect. So, sorry for the language. The in in the sorry. What was the question? Ask me the question again, please. Thank God. Okay, so we've heard it. Saquen sus conclusiones, you know, deduce what you guys want to deduce. For me, I'll tell you from my vantage point. Phil Neville was trying to gather his thoughts, and he and he stopped. He left an opening there, right? He, he got quiet for a little bit. And after he said to me, you're always looking for something negative, I felt the need to respond. So which is why I say, and you can't hear it that well on the on the recording, but I say, because I don't know, the mic wasn't working, but the mic that they handed to me. But I say, I can play it for you if you want. I can play the audio. Because like it, it bothered me that he questioned my integrity. That like I just invented this thing that Campana said. And yes, am I critical of Inter-Miami? Yes, 100%. When they don't do well, I'm absolutely going to be critical. And guess what? For four seasons, they've largely been worse than they've been good. Right? They've been more bad than good. So yes, unfortunately for Inter-Miami... I've had to be critical, just like you guys have had to be, just like fans that really see what it is out there are going to be critical about this team because for four years, absolutely. So, so I, listen, I get the Phil Neville as a human, as a person, is frustrated after a game. It's the heat of the moment. I, I, didn't, I don't even care that he cursed. I don't care that he said the curse word. That doesn't bother me. Like, me personally, I don't care. That does not bother me at all. What bothered me was him, like, saying, oh, you always look for something negative, Franco. Like, as if I invented... This thing that Campana said, which you both agree with me, that that's what we interpret from his from his comments, from his remarks. Nonetheless, then Phil Neville, you know, he gets mad because I interrupt him. Which okay, fair. If you know, again, I think he left an opening there, which is why I started talking. He interrupts my question multiple times. Multiple times. Listen to the thing. He he says, "Really? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Did he say that? Did he really say that? Uh huh. Uh." And then he's like, "Do you know why we switched off, Christoph?" So he interrupts me multiple times. Now I'll say this: it's not personal. I am not. I didn't walk away from that press conference being like, "I hate Phil Neville." Phil Neville is still just the coach of Inter Miami who I cover. It's not a personal thing. It's an exchange. It did go viral. Phil Neville. In the aftermath of that, I, we spoke on Tuesday at, uh, excuse me, on Monday at practice, and we spoke Tuesday during the post-game press conference, and, you know, we just went along with our business. Phil Neville did share that he, uh, you know, he's gotten calls and he's gotten messages from uh, a lot of people, because this video went viral, it's all viral on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, which, which social media platform am I missing? Facebook, um, everywhere. I think I'm missing one though. I got MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. High five. No, there's another one I'm missing. Which one did I not say? Twitter, Instagram. No, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook. Facebook. TikTok. TikTok. Uh, YouTube. But anyway, whatever. It, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. YouTube. I said that. It, it was everywhere. And I got messages from a whole load of people. Some people I haven't spoken to in years that were like, one, asking what happened, 
two that were like, oh, stirring some trouble over there in South Florida. Like people, like I connected with people because of it. Because this thing went viral. Went viral. Because Phil cursed. He said the F word. Like I don't take it as a slight. Uh, I get Phil Neville on Monday when we got to practice. There was three of us in attendance covering the practice. He gave each one of us a hug. He said his wife said that he had to give us a hug after cursing. Uh, so, I mean, he didn't curse at anyone else, so I don't know why everybody else got hugs. I'm a little jealous in that aspect. No, I'm just kidding. But look, it, it's not personal. It's it's For me, it's water under the bridge. We'll talk about it here because it's the most recent pod that's happened since that outburst. It's not personal. It was just an exchange. I give you my thoughts on it. Um, I've talked in more detail on Football Miami TV on YouTube. You can find that interview where I talk just in general about the whole landscape of Inter-Miami and the the coverage it gets and, and what might have led to that exchange between the both of us. Because, again, I will reiterate, I am not Phil Neville's favorite person. I'm sure of that. I am the pebble in his shoe, la piedra en su zapato, the thorn in his side. I get that. Because I ask critical questions when they're not doing well. well. Think, you know, and, and that's And that, to me... Uh, I get him being frustrated on a human level. I think he, I, I think, I think he understands where you're coming from because you know it's something that you know throughout his playing career he saw. I mean the the scenario that he has here in South Florida is completely different. You know, um, people like to be very positive, and, and the coverage mainly that you know we see in in MLS is based on. This is my team in my city, and I have to find a way. But that's to because of MLS, Jose. That's because of support. MLS. Yeah, yeah. That's not an Inter Miami yeah. thing. That's not, and that's what I said on that Football yeah, Miami TV that's what interview. I'm it's not an Inter Miami specific thing. It's an MLS thing because it doesn't get enough MLS? coverage. The people that yeah. cover this team are a lot of people that cover this team are locals that are either fans or that don't have backgrounds in journalism yeah. that don't know what uh the journalistic approach is like you know they they shy away from asking tough questions because they don't want to feel uncomfortable they don't want to risk the possibility of getting chewed out um etc etc you know there, there's there's a lot of things that are at play here a yeah lot of they things. want to please they want to please the market they want to please the market um you know people most of the time they want to hear positive things about your club but you know, when you have a different approach, when you look, you know, when you look at, at the coverage, you know, as it honestly as it should be, you know, from from a neutral standpoint, and from pointing the things that they do right, and also the things that they struggle with, you know, that's when you run into trouble. And you know, all over the world, it's the other way around, you know, because in some other places, it's not about the team locally but it's about the team in the league as a whole and everybody follows and everybody knows. Um, and, and I think we all can relate to this. I mean, it, it doesn't matter where you were born. If it's a soccer country, you know, there were several teams within the league that appealed to the whole country. Unfortunately here, you know, it, it's not to that point right now. Inter Miami talk, you know, appeals only to South Florida. And, you know, if it's something extraordinary, then it goes national. But if it's not, then it's only local. So um, I think Phil gets away with so much stuff um, because of that. Because, you know, the the way the team is covered, it's based on, okay, I right. can't it's a, say... It's an environment that fosters me. the positivity. It's an environment that, yeah. like... that Again, I don't think people that don't have the journalistic background... They're comfortable being uncomfortable, right? They're asking tough questions that might get uh, uh, a, a, 
a snark response or an upset response, right? So people shy away from rough, tough questions and yeah. potential conflict. Guess what? If Phil Noble wants to say I'm negative, I would refute that and say, I don't think I'm negative. I just don't shy away from conflict. If there's, if there, you know, and I don't shy away from the negativity. If the negativity is there, right, because you guys are not playing well, then okay, then I will have to embrace it because it's part of the job, right? Like it's, I'm not trying to be negative, but if the team's not playing well, well, I'm not going to sit there and ask you some softball question to make you feel better about your press conference. Like I'm just, not, that's not, I'm not going to do that. Like, like we that's are, why they have a we that's are, why they have a we are as media members, like, and I know it's gotten all, you know, different and, and with, with new media and with fans covering teams now and, and teams covering themselves, putting out their own content, asking themselves questions through, you know, people that work for the club. Like I know it's gotten all the lines have become blurred, but we are indebted to the people. We are not indebted to the people that we cover, right? The fans want answers. The fans want answers. So that's how I'm going to approach it. And listen, I get it. Phil Novo doesn't like it. And, uh, uh, but it, it's, I think that the environment fosters this general positivity. And then when you have, you know, one or two people that are critical, then, th- then it becomes a little bit more personal. And again, for me, it's not personal. I don't know Phil Neville's, you know, it's, he's bothered by it uh, on a personal level. Maybe, maybe, but for me, it's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's we move on. I think I'll continue inside, covering. I think I down like- inside understands. I think he understands. Down inside. Yeah, he understands, yes. Yeah, he, he feels understands. like, listen, they know. You know, they know who's there and and who who knows the game. You know, when when you ask questions and you know they they know exactly where who knows what. You know, yeah, who 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 really I, knows the game. I will say this: the tension is going to be there between media and reporters. If the job is done right, the tension is always going to exist, and it should exist because that is you know we don't work for the team. We're not there to exactly. push and promote whatever they want us to push and promote. We're there to give honest and uh, genuine and real coverage of the team in the way that we see it. If the day that we start not covering the team the way that we see it is the day that we're no longer doing our job well. Again, we're indebted to the people, not the people that we cover, if that makes sense. Uh, I'll say this. Look, let's take a step back. Let's not, let's not, I know we've talked about the exchange with me, but I don't want to personalize it. I think if you take a step back, and this ties into the last talking point um, for this for this segment, Take a step back. There was a few weeks ago after the Columbus game where another reporter, not me, asked Phil Neville, or another media member asked Phil Neville about whether what changed in that win against Columbus was just a a bit of good fortune, was luck. And Phil Neville snapped a little bit in the response by saying, did you think we were lucky? Something along those lines. Again, you can find all these press conferences on Miami Total Football's YouTube page. And like he got he got kind of offended, Phil Neville did, by the fact that the media member had mentioned the word luck or lucky. When a press conference previous in the previous game, Phil Neville was saying, "Oh, we haven't won because you know we're, we're not getting that little bit of luck." So I think it was a fair question from that reporter or that media member. And Phil Neville just took offense to it because they had just won, and he doesn't want to be accused of being lucky when yet when they were losing, he was saying that they were unlucky. But to me, the whole point of this is to say that Phil Neville's feeling the heat. Like, he's feeling the pressure. And it became very the most clear it's been on Monday 
when both Southern Legion and Vice City, 1896, the two biggest supporters groups in La Familia, came out and put out public social media posts expressing their dismay with the season. Southern Legion was a little bit more diplomatic. They said, you know, they were unhappy with how Inter Miami performed against Orlando City, that they didn't match the uh, the passion and the, the fervor that was in the stands. And Southern Legion said, we demand results, we demand respect. But they didn't mention Phil Neville flat out. Vice City mentioned Phil Neville flat out. And they posted an image with a message, and they posted several images saying it's time for Phil Neville to go, Phil Neville out, etc., etc. Now, the quote that you heard or the soundbite that you heard at the beginning of this show was Phil Neville's response on Tuesday night when I asked him what he has to do to turn that sentiment around. You know, Phil Neville didn't answer that question very directly because, again, the question was how does he turn the sentiment around? And then he just kind of went into his reaction to it all and, and saying he understands the frustration but didn't say what they have, what he has to do, what the team has to do to turn that around. But nonetheless, clearly, fans are frustrated. The two biggest supporters groups, one of them is saying they want him out. So, I mean, just your thoughts on that so we can round out this first segment, which is going long, but, uh, oh well. I still have time before my flight, hopefully. Jose. Well, I think, you know, that's 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 the boiling point right there. I think, you know, um, it's been a while since people have been um, asking for a new new head coach, I think. Um, at this point, it's not about winning one or two games and everybody forgets about it, which is something that happened previously. You know, um, I think people are frustrated because, uh, you know, they understand that even when they are winning, they are not playing well. They're just not playing well. And and people are not content with going to uh, dry pink and, and watching a team score a goal in the fifth minute and then play defense for 95 minutes because that that's not what they were promised. They were not promised a team like that from the owners from the first day, and they were not promised a team like that from Phil Neville this year during preseason. He was sending a different message. So, you know, why should they accept um, that, you know, after, after six games, all of a sudden, Inter Miami is a defensive-minded team, and that's the only way to do things here. So I, I get the frustration from the fans. Um, uh, I, I think Southern Legion uh, took the right route in terms of you know the way they were doing things. I, I thought Vice City, you know, with putting you know fake media posts and and making it feel like you know it was an official statement um, from the team, which a lot of people saw it that way. I think, you know, that was maybe a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, I do understand the message. And uh, and, and, I, and I think and I think they, they have the right to 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 voice their opinions. Um, I think, you know, this this could be a good a good moment as well for the ownership to come out and say something. You know, I, I think the ownership, they have been way too silent at this point. You know, what are they thinking about this team right now? Are they trusting the process? Are they 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 need to come out and 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 say something to the fans? That's what Phil Neville said. Phil Neville said that they, they trust what he and Chris Henderson are trying to do. No, no, no. But I mean, Phil. I mean, with all due respect, you know, with Phil, we have to take every. It feels like we have to fact check every single press conference nowadays because you know <laughs> there are things that he's telling people that are just not true, and and he's under a lot of pressure, and maybe that's why. Right? 
So, so you think you know, he's feeling I'm it? Thinking, you think he's feeling the, the the pressure now? Oh, of course, no, of course. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. He's feeling the pressure because he 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 saw in, in previous occasions where you know they they were in a bad run, they won two games, and everybody forgot about the the the, the bad run. Now it's a little bit different because you know he felt like he went into a good stretch, then he drops two games, and all of a sudden we're back to the and, the similar scenario where where when they were losing six six in a row. So. I think he's feeling the pressure. And I, I think that is where the sentiment comes from, what you just said. And I, I spoke to uh, somebody about this on Tuesday night at DraftKings Stadium in the press box. Like, the fan reaction is not a knee-jerk reaction. Not this one. This is, to me, an accumulation, like you just mentioned, of years of frustration of losing. Because the team has struggled since its inception under two different head coaches, but the one that's been around the longest is Phil Neville, and he's still around. And fans, I think, are tired, you know, of that. They've invested time, money, effort, energy. And nothing's really changing, right? So they're letting their voice be heard. And that's what I think they did on Monday. You know, I, I thought it was I know you you don't agree, but I thought it was humorous um that <laughs> Vice City posted a picture of a of a TIFO that was clearly photoshopped. And a lot of people took it as like, oh, Vice City just created a TIFO that says Neville out and they're going to unfurl it on Tuesday. But they didn't. It was it was photoshopped. But the sentiment is still there. The sentiment is that they don't think Phil Neville should lead this team any longer. Something that all three of us at different stages throughout his time here have said. And I, I don't know if we, like, hold, like right now, crystal clear, just cut, cut to the chase, nice and simple. Jose, should Phil Neville still be head coach of Inter Miami today? No. Andrea, should Phil Neville still be head coach for Inter Miami today? No. And I agree with you. Like, I just don't see where the team is headed with him. Like, I actually asked a colleague in the press box on Tuesday night. I was like, because we were talking about this. We were talking about the, the fan reaction. And I was like, I don't think this is a knee-jerk reaction. I think this is accumulation. Inter Miami, like Jose just said, has been losing regularly. They've never been in the top half of the table and, and, and like kind of maintain that. They've always been working from the bottom up, right? Like always trying to catch up, to dig themselves out of the hole. And that's frustrating as a fan. Absolutely. I'm sure it's frustrating for the players and the coaching staff. And I, but like, So I think this is just an accumulation of these years of losing and not seeing real tangible progress. And to round out the thought, when I was speaking to the colleague, I told the colleague, what's the identity of a Phil Neville team? Can you describe what a Phil Neville team plays like to to me after two and a half seasons? Like, what does a Phil Neville team look like? And the colleague had a hard time making that, giving me a response. Because there, like, there is no defined way to say what a Phil Neville team plays like. There just isn't. And I think that's, no, and that's the problem. Exist. And that is the problem. And you know, Franco, for me, the important thing about this is that fans care. Because... Um, we see other teams like Chicago Fire, like, for example, Sporting Kansas City, with the same coach, even they have finished three years in the last place in MLS, losing every game, playing horrendously. And fans, just because he won a cup 14 years ago, they still support him. And Inter Miami cannot, for me, it is good that Inter Miami has this type of fans because this type of fans will make 
uh, Inter Miami better and will make the league better because when a coach is not delivering on the field and after three years especially when a coach is not delivering on the field fans have the right and have also the responsibility to call that out so for me that is a positive sign for Inter Miami that their fans care and that their fans are taking this moment in the team's history seriously because as I said many teams in MLS many fans in MLS don't do that way so for me it's something positive that will help grow Inter Miami and football here in in South Florida apathy is an MLS team's worst enemy the day that fans don't care that your coach isn't doing well and the results aren't there, then you're in trouble. Then you get what you see in other cities like the New York Red Bulls. Not getting a whole lot of fans out anymore and they're struggling for media attention. And like it, it, The day that there's apathy around a club, the day that people no longer have these type of uh, protests or uh, public demonstrations, that's when you're in trouble. If you're still a bad team. All right. We've been talking for a while. Let's leave it there. We'll come back for a very brief Q&A and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. Okay, guys, Q&A time. We're going to just do one question because we've been going long. We've been talking for a good bit here. So the question is from Don Cafecito. Does Phil know his STFU shut the up moment became a meme? <laughs> so it has become a meme. I'm telling you, that thing went viral. I got messages from it all did? types of people. Yeah, I mean, in the in the inter-Miami soccer world, like, like there's a show some effing respect, the word fully spelled out and the Phil Neville's face um, that people are starting to use for different random things. Um, and I think after Nashville lost someone in the Nashville comment section, put the image and show some effing respect, you know? So uh, it, the moment went viral. I, I'm not kidding you when I've gotten messages from people I haven't spoken to in years that one were either giving me props or kudos for the moment or two that were just like, what happened and trying to find out or that were laughing. A lot of people thought it was hilarious. A lot of people thought it was funny because, you know, Phil, Phil, Phil says, don't interrupt me. And then he starts trying to respond again. And he tries to like kind of BS the response in terms of like thinking what the question is. And he can't remember. And he's like, ask me a question again, Franco. Um, so people thought that was hilarious just because like he kind of lost the plot a little bit there in that sense. Um, so does Phil know? I don't think, I mean, Phil doesn't know necessarily that there's a meme, but I know that Phil knows it's viral because when he came into the press conference, on Tuesday after the Open Cup game, you know, he he made mention to us that his mom called him, that his mom reached out and was like, Phil, what, what is this? What's going on here? What, what, that's not like you. And, um, you know, so and he said he's gotten a lot of messages as well. So obviously, if I've gotten messages from colleagues, Phil Neville, who's the protagonist in the video, imagine how many messages he's gotten from people all over the world. This this went viral in england all over the united states canada who i mean who knows where else it's been but it, it's definitely made the rounds for sure uh, more more ma more other big media outlets picked up on this for sure i'm surprised that the league didn't uh how do you say multar fine uh, fine find him 
the league didn't find him because the league usually is maybe very they, maybe they did and we don't and yeah. we don't know we maybe, don't know yeah maybe they did it or maybe Don Garber called Phil Neville was like at a boy you go at that boy Franco no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> 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 well, Franco Jose Jose go if they did find him I think it's gonna come out um, late in the week like around the Thursday or Friday Friday when news play, dump. When, no, they play the disciplinary report every Thursday or Friday. So if they did, we should find out. But what, what are they going to find him for? For cursing? For saying an F word? Well, yeah, this, is the league where you can, this is the league where you can't say a, a bad word about the, the referees. That's different, I mean, though. That's different. I don't, uh, I, listen, I don't think he's going to get fined for, for cursing. I don't, I don't, I don't curse. And, um, you don't curse, I, Jose? I, I, Stop it. No, so Jose that doesn't probably, curse. I don't it's curse. It's always like language, Andrea, language. <laughs> That's a great That's impersonation like, of Jose, by the way. This is a big deal for me. So, um, yeah, I, I know, I, I, I don't approve mm. of this. And, and, Jose would, if Jose would have been there, he would have said something to Phil. I am sure. Of it. That, that, so this is why Jose earlier in the pod said I did mind it. So this is why you did not like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think that's. I don't. I, I, that shouldn't be acceptable. You know, he's just the face of a franchise That's right there. Professional in a- sports, Jose. Like, yeah, but he, like, you, know, you think you think these people aren't cursing on the field left and right, like coaches, players? Like, no, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. But you know, when you're speaking at a press conference, I mean, you have to be professional there. I mean, yeah, it's the heat of the cur- moment. It's the heat curse? of the moment, Jose. When we ask questions, do we curse? You know, there are bigger things. You know, <laughs> I'm sure everybody that goes into a press conference, they have bigger things to deal with than you know just writing a story about a game. And just because you're frustrated, you don't go there and take it on him. So, I don't think you should go the other way around as well. Yeah, so, it's right. I think it's fine. I don't like. I don't just letting it go. You just letting it go. Yeah, but it's just not he, a big deal, man. I mean, my dad was a military. My dad was a military man. Rest in peace, dad. Love you. Um, but like, just. You know, sticks and stones. You know, words. Words don't don't do a whole lot for me. Words don't do a whole lot for me. And like uh, him again, the questioning my integrity that bothered me more than him saying show some effing respect. Like that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. It's it's again. It's it's professional sports heat of the moment. Um, again, Monday at practice, gave hugs out. Said his wife made him give out hugs. Tuesday, he says his mom called, so his mom. Um, so, heat of the moment. It was a completely different Phil Neville on Monday and Tuesday. Then on Saturday, when he was clearly frustrated and upset after a loss, which I understand on a, on a human level, being upset and bothered after losing a game like that. Uh, all right, that does it for the Q&A session. Our final thoughts will be about the CF Montreal game because we've gone so long that we didn't even get to preview it, really. So we'll just do it like this. Although I do think, uh, on my end, it bears mentioning that Edison Ascona scored the first ever goal for the Dominican Republic uh, in a World Cup. He scored off a penalty kick. Then in the next game, he gets red carded. Uh, two yellow cards sent off. So it looks like his participation with uh, with the Dominican Republic's under-20 national team is all but over at this World Cup. A, a mixed showing for the Inter-Miami attacker. But He should be getting it, by the way. They he, could qualify still, much- yeah. He's much, no, I, yeah, I doubt it, but could, I mean, he but... should be getting once he gets back to Inter Miami. He I mean, should get a chance, he's a much better player than Ben Hakremachi. So, mm, if Ben is playing, yes, hot take, hot take. Times. That's a hot should, take. I agree. That's a hot take. Get minutes coming up playing a World Cup. I mean, come on now. 
That's a hot. That's a hot take. But we'll we'll, we'll save that well, for another time. The World Cup we'll save that for another time. Played with Inter Miami and didn't get called up. So. I mean, one plays for the Dominican Republic. One would play for Argentina or the U.S. national team. Not an apples for apples comparison there. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. He, uh, well, it didn't. See, this is the problem. Jose, Jose, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, I gotta, I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt because I'm, listen. National team, he got called for a training session, just to be clear. Because, you know, people expect him to start for Argentina. Jose, Jose, listen. We're all co-hosts here, but I have to run the show in terms of the time. So I have to interrupt you guys from time to time. Run it. So, Let's go. Final thoughts in terms of the CF Montreal game. Jose, I start with you in terms of, <laughs> yes, they play against Bryce Duke. They play against Ariel Lasseter. For Inter-Miami, what is the key to the game going on the road to take on the improved Canadian side that has Inter-Miami players? CF Montreal is in 13th place, one spot underneath Inter-Miami in the Eastern Conference standings with an identical five-win Zero draw, eight loss record. They've scored 12 goals, given up 22. So what is the key to the game for Inter-Miami on Saturday? Jose. I think they need to find some balance. I think they need to find some balance. You know, previously we talked about that they need to be good defensively, especially on the road. But I think against Montreal and, you know, the way they are playing lately, I think it's not going to be enough to have a defense defensive-minded uh, team out there. I think they, they need to find a way to be a little bit more competitive with the ball um, and, and and obviously not concede. Like we mentioned before, you know, if that 5-3-2 formation is in place and they concede early, basically the game is over. You know, have you, have you watched uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona in, in, in their best days with Cristiano and, and Ronaldo and, and they scored in the fifth minute? You can basically turn off the TV because they know they're going to win that game. So... I think it's a similar scenario. If Montreal scores early, Inter Miami's playing five three two. Eh, I don't think there's there's a lot to watch there after that. So you think they play a five three two? I I think they go to with the five three two. Yeah. Okay, Andrea, two questions for you as your final thoughts, so you can round out the quick preview and the show. What formation is Inter Miami come out in, in your opinion, and? Does the late Alex apply here? Will Bryce Duke or Ariel Lasseter either assist or get a goal in this game? Uh, way, Andrea, you have time. You can go for an hour or two with this response. No worries. <laughs> yes, I know. We, we I know. The, I know. For the first one, the for the first one, yes, they will play defensively. Um, this is not the same Montreal team that came here and lost. They have gotten better. Uh, Ariel Lassiter scored in, in their cup game yesterday. They're playing the Canadian Cup, and Ariel Lassiter got his first goal. Bryce Duke already scored and also assisted. So I think they will be eager to play in this game. And listen, for me, um, uh, Ariel and, and Bryce Duke have come and made Montreal better, uh, it, and they'll be eager especially to prove to Phil Neville how wrong he was when especially talking about them, right? Especially Bryce Duke will be eager to, to show him that he was uh, wrong and in thinking that he couldn't be a number 10 player that could play constantly in this league. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is that Kyoto uh, came back from injury, but he got injured again. So uh, it's not clear his 
he, his status is 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 going to to be for this game. But it will be interesting for me to see Ariel, to see Duke. Actually, Ariel and, and Duke will have a lot a lot to 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 prove in this game. And and I think Phil Neville knows that, and that that is why he's going to keep playing with his back five. I agree that I think they play a back five. I, I, I wouldn't completely rule out the four four two with two wide midfielders or wider midfielders um, to help the attack. But I, I agree on the road against this team that has uh, improved offensively. I think you see a five three two key to the game for me. Yeah, uh, find, finding a way to get more out of. Your two strikers, Campana and Joseph Martinez, is that they they have their combination moments, but they're not really looking all too lethal unless they're taking shots from outside the penalty area, so like Campana did, which you can't which you can't rely on on a consistent basis for him to score goals like that, uh, game in and game out. You you need more from the run of play. You need more ideas, more football, uh, which with a back five is difficult, but you need more of that. You need more of that. So, uh, Jose, I think you wanted to say something, but that does it for this week's show. We've got to run. What? I've got a flight. I've got a flight to catch, my friend. I've got to get to Colombia. Information right now. Very important information. <laughs> Let's uh, get out for the Open Cup. So when do they play? <laughs> June sixth or June seventh? June seventh. The match will be played at eight p.m. and CBS Sports Golazo picked it up. So see, you wanted to leave people without that. Essential information for the planning purposes. Just to go party in Cartagena. Imagine that. Hey, listen, wow. I'm doing some work, and I'm not going to Cartagena. I'm going to Medellin. So oh. uh, I will be working as well because I'm taking my laptop, and I will be watching that game on Saturday. So we will be back next week to recap that match against CF Montreal. Although I might have to record from Colombia because I don't get back until Tuesday morning. Anyway, we'll figure out the logistics later. For Jose Armando, for Andrea Yanes, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again next week.